A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When Mike Schur was looking for an actor to play the source of all knowledge in the universe on The Good Place, he really could have picked anyone. And yet now it's hard to imagine anyone else but Janet. Here we are. Just press that button and it's goodbye, Janet. Cheaty, uh. I can see that you're worried. And I just want to assure you, I am not human and I cannot feel pain. Uh, thank you. That helps. However, I should warn you, I am programmed with a fail-safe measure. As you approach the kill switch, I will begin to beg for my life. It's just there in case of an accidental shutdown, but it will seem very real. Cool. So who's doing this, me or you? Uh, well, I, I, I think I have to. Um, being a bystander seems worse somehow. <sighs> okay, here we go. Jeannie, no, 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 Jeannie, please, please, please don't hurt me. I don't want to die, please, please. Ah. Again, I am not human. I can't die. I am simply an anthropomorphized vessel of knowledge built to make your life easier. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Darcy Carden as Janet on The Good Place. It was that role that brought Darcy to the attention of comedy fans everywhere and ultimately earned her her first Emmy nomination. But as she tells me on today's episode, she only booked it after she had more or less given up trying to become a success in Hollywood. Now, Darcy is reuniting with one of her oldest friends in the comedy world, previous Last Laugh guest Abby Jacobson, in a reimagined version of one of her all-time favorite movies, A League of Their Own. The eight-episode season, which premieres on Amazon Prime Video next Friday, August 12th, takes on issues around race and sexuality in a way that the original movie never could have when it came out almost exactly 30 years ago. Darcy and I go deep on her early days at the Upright Citizens Brigade, where she first met Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer, who gave her her first big break in their show Broad City. We also talk about creating the role of Janet on The Good Place, that insane elevator scene from the most recent season of Barry, and a lot more. So let's get into it. Here's me with Darcy Carden. Well, I I want to start with A League of Their Own because I just last night finished watching the whole first season, um, which was fabulous. It was so fun. I didn't know you were going to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know I was either. I was, you know, I started <laughs> it and then I, I just, I couldn't stop. So I kept going. That's a lot of hours. It is. It was really great though. I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I want to, I want to talk about um, the show, but I really would love to kind of start with how you first met Abby Jacobson, because I know you've been friends and working together for so long, um, kind of leading up to this project. So yeah, maybe we can start there. How did the two of you meet? Okay. Abby and I met, dear sweet Abby Jacobson and I met like something like 15 years ago. We were both UCB students in New York and UCB students, would you would just take the normal classes, like level one, level two, level three, just regular old improv classes. But every once in a while, they would offer these like comedy screenwriting or like how to get into SNL or just weird little like one-offs, you know, they would probably last like a, week, a month or something like that. So we both took a class called something along the lines of like auditioning for commercials or comedy commercials. Or oh, something yeah. Shit. Very important. It actually is. 
is <laughs> because when you pour your life into improv, you make $0 in a comedy commercial. I mean, in a commercial could obviously, you know, pay your rent. So we both took this, um, commercial class and I just liked her. And, and here's like the, this will, I think it'll make sense. If somebody was reading these words, it'll sound like I'm insulting her, but if you can hear me saying it, it might make more sense. I really felt like, okay, tell me if this makes sense. I was kind of like, oh God, she's so great. And no one's going to ever know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we had these two teachers and I feel like they didn't really see her. Like I was just, I remember coming home to my studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen, just trying to paint a picture, babe to my then boyfriend, now husband. And I was like, there's this girl. She is so funny and so different and so weird. And I just, I just felt like she wasn't getting any feedback from the teachers. And I, and I really have this feeling like I see her and unfortunately for her, no one ever will for the rest of her life (laughs) cut to like, you know, a few years later, she's like the most successful person coming out of the the theater. Well, that was surprising that she, uh, that she was able to pull that off. Ultimately, no, because once I, after that class, we we became friends and I don't think we ever really did improv together, but we were definitely a part of that improv world and we would do indie shows and, you know, the like improv world of New York in like the 2010s was pretty special. Okay. Maybe someday we'll do like a big, long, I don't know what, retrospective or something. Oral history. Exactly. But it was like, (laughs) you know, we would, even if we never did improv together, which I can't believe we, I'm sure we did at least once, but we would be on the same shows and you, it would, you would just do shows and different teams would do shows and then you'd party all night. And, and, you know, she was a very dear, good friend. And so I could, so once, you know, after this little comedy, um, commercial class, she really started taking off at UCB. Even though she and Alana famously have said they never got on like a house team at UCB, they were doing tons of of indie improv. So yeah, I was going to ask. There it seems like there there's possible parallel here between uh, UCB and a league of their own in the sense that it was kind of a a boys club in some ways, right? In the in in those days and those uh, and you know maybe it was harder for her and for you and for Alana to break into that. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was. <laughs> and probably still is and probably will be, you know, for longer than we're comfortable with. Um, but you know, we all like, I don't know, man, I don't know how to like really get into that because it's like what we knew. Do you know what I mean? Occasionally you would kind of step outside and be like, Hey, you'd look around and be like, why am I the only girl on this entire team? But the way it was then for me, which isn't the way it should be was shut up me telling myself, shut up, put your head down, do the work, be better than them. And then they won't kick you off the team. Like it was kind of like, and I think a lot of girl, and I think Abby and Alana and a lot of girls at UCB and, you know, offices all over the world. (laughs) Again, this is not advice. This is, I'm just saying, this is the way it was. It was like, don't disrupt, just put your head down, work harder, be funnier. And then they can't help, but, you know, keep you on the team. So that was like sort of my way of life. And we all had each other's back and, and the girls were close and, you know, we, we gave each other opportunities and, and that not to jump ahead, but like Broad City is a perfect example of that. No, totally. I mean, they launched that show, um, you know, Abby and Alana and, um, and cast you in a role in it, um, which you got to be in, you know, a few, at least a few episodes of that show. And that's a show that probably did start to change things as well in terms of what, you know, what women in comedy can do. Totally. And, you know, even they even cast me in the pilot and like, so that just telling you how much they had my back, they put me in a, in the pilot. 
and then ended up really cutting around the pilot, you know, they cut the pilot a ton. So whatever I did in the pilot got cut out and then they put me back in another role. Like they just, they were, I felt very taken care of by them and Lucia Aniello and Paul Downs, who were also the, I almost just said creators, but you know what I mean? Like the, the team, Abby, Alana, Paul, Lucia, they just like, I felt very taken care of. And it was pretty, I don't know, generous, like unnecessary and life-changing. Like I always think back on, again, look at me jumping around, but the test, the, the, like the final audition for the good place. I walked into the room and Mike Schur and Drew Goddard said something like great job on broad city last night, like loved that episode last night. And it was like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like that is that, you know, there's no way that didn't help me get the job or whatever, if they already were watching and liking that show. Yeah. Um, so what was the role that you played in the in the pilot that got cut out? <laughs> it w- I worked at, let me just think, let me just think. Don't get this wrong, Darcy. Don't get this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Abby's, no, 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 Alana's work. I, oh, okay. I was like, yeah. one, and um, just really, I don't think I had a line. I mean, I, did I? I don't think I did. I remember Lucia Aniello, who, you know, of Hacks fame, but also director and, and writer of Broad City. Um, she gave me a bit to do in the background I don't think I was exactly a background worker, but, but I don't remember having a line. Um, she gave me a bit to do, which was to drink coffee. And every time I drink it, like fully burned my tongue, but then just <laughs> go right, go right back to drinking it. I shouldn't have even told you that because I want to use that in something else. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> um, and then you did end up, you know, getting this other role as, um, a, uh, trainer at the, at Solstice, right? Yes. Is that what Gemma. It's yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep, Gemma. Um, and you get to work a lot with, uh, Paul Downs, who's fantastic as well. Um, so yeah, what was it, what was it like then coming back into the show and in this, in this role and getting to kind of create this, this odd gym world? <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was, it was, um, I just felt so lucky to be there. I had just moved to LA after living in New York for like 11 years and, you know, coming up with these, this group, and I had just moved to LA and was feeling very, you know, that feeling of like, did I just blow it? Like it was, should I have just stayed in New York? And, and so, you know, getting to like fly across the country to be Gemma at a, in an episode of Broad City was like, it felt, you know, at least to my parents, <laughs> like, oh good, you're actually, you know, doing it. Um, and these are like my best friends. These are not like my acquaintances. These are like my, my crew and so to get the freedom and the trust and like mutually that, that we had, um, and also just to get to, you know, at that point I had, I hadn't seen my peers, um, succeed in this way where like, you know, Amy Poehler is at the monitor with headset on, like listening and, you know, as a producer and, and, and comedy central. And like, it, it was fully real. It was like, this was real. This, we had all done, you know, a million web series and, and sketches and things like that, but this was like real, real. And, um, they were rising to the occasion in like such an impressive way. I mean, I remember during the pilot shoot, I like had to <laughs> like turn away because I had tears in my eyes. You know, I was <laughs> like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Um, so it was just so fun. Um, Although I will tell you a quick little story about my, okay. So, you know, I did the pilot thing, but I, again, I don't think I had any lines in that. So my first day on set, again, I flew from LA, you know, did my fitting, like did the, you kind of like really gear up for it for a couple of days. And, um, I had, my scene was with Paul Downs and, um, Miriam Tolan who, who played, um, she just was in, she was, 
I think the idea of the, of, of her character was that she was a, sort of making people think she had cancer, but then ultimately, so she was like getting things, you know, getting, getting ahead because she had cancer, but then revealed that she didn't. But anyway, so we shot the scene. Um, I poke my head in the door and say some things and then leave or whatever. Hey guys, so sorry to interrupt, but Xander, your instructor has actually been missing for the last 48 hours and Bryce, his sub is also missing. So power slide has been canceled for today. Um, but you're welcome to stay and uh, have an hour of free sliding, okay? This maybe goes without saying, but like acting for the stage and acting for the camera is so different. And you really, something they don't tell you, and I don't know who <laughs> they are, but something they don't tell you is like, you're not, I went to school for theater. I like didn't have any camera training at all. And there's all these little things you really do have to like learn on the fly. And this is going to seem like a big one, but I didn't know a camera was on me. So I thought I was doing like their coverage. And then after we shot that scene, Alana said like, great job, you know? And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. No, no. I'll like really bring it when the camera's on me. <laughs> and she's and like, oh no, we're done. She, she was like, you are wrapped. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I had no idea that there was actually a camera on me. And that was a good lesson. You know, you're going to, you're going to learn that lesson. Yeah. Was the lesson to that you always have to go all out or just know when your camera's on you? <laughs> I think a little bit of both. I mean, actually I was like, oh, you know what? Also the lesson is like to trust, I guess, mm, trust that you like will bring it every time. Does that make sense? Because I remember being like, oh God, you guys, I don't think I did it. And she was like, we would not have, we would have done another take. Like, they would like, have moved on. Yeah. yeah. So it is a little bit of like, you know, fully commit on, on every take. And also just, yeah, literally take five seconds to, I, I, I still do this to this day. Mm -hmm. I look, I look and I go like, there's a camera, there's a camera. There's, yeah. Like kind of, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's just a weird thing. It's a weird thing that uh, you're not necessarily aware of. It's almost like as a theater actor or like a stage actor, it's almost like, oh, I don't even know where the, like, why would I know where the camera is? But it's like, no, that's actually something that's very important. Yeah. Um, I don't think I realized, I guess, the timing that Broad City was like still airing when you were auditioning for The Good Place. Um, because I read that you were sort of considering quitting acting around that time when you were, um, when you were, when that audition came up. Yeah. I wouldn't, here's the thing. I think like, you've read that I was considering yeah. quitting Has acting. Has that been exaggerated? I think so. I think it's like, it's, it's more exciting to say she was like, she was quitting acting, but yeah, it was, it was more just like, out I, of nowhere. Yeah. It was more that I was coming to terms with what my life would be as far as career goes. And it was more like, it was more like, Oh, I think this is past. I think this is past me by like, maybe I'll get a couple more little like you know, because Broad City was huge for me, but the reality is, I think it was like four episodes or four yeah, or five episodes, five, and, maybe. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, again, life changing, but like a, a couple of scenes in each episode. That's that's, and and I remember having the feeling like this is so exciting, this is the best, like it's all happening, blah blah blah. And then I would look to my best friends and think like, oh wait, but they get to do this tomorrow. Like they're coming back tomorrow and the next day and every day until this is done. Like this is their job. Whereas I'm going back to LA to nanny and to like coach, coach improv and hope to get like $200. And, um, so it was more just like, okay, looking around, like where I was in my life, my age, like I do, I've always been really bad at like age comparing since I was like a little, little kid. I remember like, it's the worst. No one yeah. should do it. It's horrible. It is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Especially when you start realizing how many famous people are younger than you. Yeah, you don't want to do that. I remember being, um, you know, being a kid kid and watching the new Mickey Mouse Club, the one with like Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and everything, and being like, I guess yeah. it's not going to happen <laughs> That's for it. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm dead. I'm absolutely dead. So it was more just that feeling of like, I think this dream I had is not actually going to come true. And it was more like, I'm okay with it. It's more just like, you know what? You get to do some cool shit. You get to perform improv at a theater, the best theater in America, the best comedy theater in America, you know, as many nights a week as you want to, like, you're doing okay. This is a cool life. It's just not the life that you like hoped for. And then, you know, like, like truly a month later, it was a good place. Do you think, I mean, I, I feel like I hear this story a lot in the sense of like, people are like, I don't care anymore. So I'm going to go in this audition and whatever happens. And then they get this, you know, life changing role. Is that what happened? Did you go into the good place audition thinking like, I'm not going to get this. So whatever, I'll just do, I'll just like lower the pressure. I do think it like sounds cliche, but it doesn't, it make sense because the whole fucking thing with auditions is you're so desperate and pathetic and begging for this job. And that's so unattractive. Like all you need to be is cool and confident. And it's, that's an impossible task when you're like, please give me this job. Like it (laughs) just, it doesn't equal, they don't make sense together. So I do think when, and I know my dear sweet friend, William Jackson Harper, who plays Cheaty on The Good Place, he had the same sort of feeling where it was like, we both were, we were, our lives have sort of like paralleled each other or our careers or whatever. Like we, we same age and we just, we, we both had this moment where we were kind of like, you know, this thing of like, okay, th- so this isn't happening. So this isn't happening. Like, let's accept that and move on. And what's, what, how can I like salvage this or make this, make this life work? Um, so anyway, yeah, I do think that walking into the good place audition, like, let me not, let me not like lead. I, I, of course I cared about it and like wanted it, but I absolutely 1 billion percent knew that I wasn't going to get it. Would never get it. Could not get it. <laughs> and the most I could do was, you know, get maybe like another thing like Gemma. Like maybe I would impress Mike sure and maybe he would remember me in season three and cast me as, you know, the bus driver or whatever. Um, and it was such a unique role, obviously, too. And I know, you know, you've talked about how you're sitting in the audition room next to like a little kid and an old lady. And like, there's this role of Janet could have been anyone. And it was not like, usually you're sitting in the room, right? With a bunch of people who look exactly look like exactly you. Exactly like yeah. me. Yeah, totally. But this was different. Um, so did that, you know, and it also, I think, probably freed you up to approach it however you wanted, because it yeah. wasn't like you were trying to fit some type. Yes, yes. Yeah, that is that was there was freedom in that. It was like, oh, I looked around, you know, at the kid and the older woman. And I was like, and we obviously we looked different. We sound different. There's like it, there is that weird trope or whatever of going into the audition room and you go like, OK, so there are 30 women in. LA that look exactly like me and sound like me. And, you know, that's a humbling moment, but this was like, oh, so they don't exactly know what they want. So all I can do is be me and bring me and, you know, whatever, whatever little like sparkle that can, you know, like whatever I can do to, to just be me. So it was, I do think there was some freedom and it was a different kind of audition. And it was really, and I just really sort of told myself like, just make him laugh. Don't fuck up and just make him laugh. I had never met Mike and, you know, I was such a gigantic fan and a lot of my friends had sort of like worked with him by then. And I I had never even met him. So I was just hoping to not, I don't know, embarrass myself, just make him laugh and then get the fuck out of there. Am I swearing too much? Am I swearing? No, I I think it's great. 
Because we don't get to hear you swear that much, you know, on network TV. And um, (laughs) the show was really funny from the beginning. And I think, you know, it was really, everyone was great on it. And then it kind of did like level up after that first season finale where with the big twist, which I think we're allowed to spoil now because it's been long enough. Um, But I love that video that I hadn't seen until I was prepping for this where um where you find out in real time oh um, yeah that it's the bad place um and chris i think it was Kristen bell was filming you guys yeah, right she was <laughs> did you did you know that that was that like that that was going to be a thing that that went online that she was filming you no as you found out i mean i i, I it's funny like looking back i don't even really remember if i knew she was filming i'm sure i did but but um but you're locked into mike sure telling the story so. because we had like you know, he was telling us so little. This was such a weird situation where, like, even the audition wasn't real. Oh yeah, uh, you, you were, it was you, fake. you were playing just fake just character. Some, yeah. So every step of the way, it was like these secrets, all these secrets, and I knew a lot of the writers, <laughs> and and they were like not telling us. And I feel like in the beginning of shooting, we, Will and Manny and I were like so desperate to find out what was going on, and then we kind of got to a place where we we're like, you know what? if Mike isn't telling us like, there's a reason, let's just let it go and just take it like episode by episode. And yeah. And then Mike was like, after lunch one day, it was like, Hey, will you guys like join me in the other room? And Manny says that he thought we were getting fired or like the show was getting canceled or something. (laughs) It was like a very ominous what's going on. And then we sort of realized what was happening. So anyway, I think we were also locked into what Mike was doing. It is so funny to watch that video though. Watch it back because it, it really our reaction is the audience is it's exactly the same as like what was going on in living rooms across America <laughs> or the world. Yeah. Or the world. Yeah. No, that, that was so funny. Um, the other th- just good place thing that I wanted to touch on is I love your scenes with Jason Manzukis, another improv legend and so funny. Um, and uh, what was he like as a, as a scene partner doing those, uh, those scenes with the two of you, which were always some of the funniest parts to me Thank of the show. You. Thank you. Thank you. I adore Jason Manzukis. I am such a longtime fan. He was like in the first UCB show I saw, like, you know, that sort of inspired me to very formative. Very, very. I was like, who the hell is that? He just was, (laughs) I was like, this guy is incredible. And he was also one of the first UCB guys or people, but guys, because you know, we talked about it before. Yep. Of his generation that like gave me the time of day. And he, he was like, really nice to my husband, Jason, it really nice to us. And, and anyway, he was just always like lovely. And so we got along really well. And this is like years, 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 years ago. And we would occasionally do ass cats together, which is like the big UCB show. And I was always just so thrilled to get to be on stage with him. Cause he's a, he's a true comedic genius. He is a, he's one of the best improvisers out there. So when this role came up, I was so glad that it was him. When I heard that he was taking this role that I had heard about this role, the role of why do I forget the name? Derek. I was like, Jason, that's not it. That's yeah, they're yeah, all he, named Jason. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I just was so glad that it was him. And, and we, you know, the truth is like on that show, we, we didn't improvise very much. And we, we, I mean, we stuck to the script. Like it was, I don't know the Bible. Like we didn't, it was, it, nobody asked us to, and I don't, by the way, I don't mean Jason. I mean the kind of core cast. I mean the, the Ted's and the Kristen's of it all. We stuck to the script. Like if we, if we said do not, instead of don't, we would be like, can I take that again? It was this weird sort of, maybe we were all <laughs> too obsessed with Mike Schur or something like that. We, we were like trying to make daddy happy. Um, not that, <laughs> not that he asked for it. He did not ask for that. So when Jason came, it was this funny thing where the director and the writers would be like, 
just let him do whatever. Like, just let him go. And then it, it was fun because then I got to do whatever. And, you know, so we, I remember the first day Jason was there, Ted was like a little overwhelmed. I think he was like, what the hell is going <laughs> what, on? What is Who this? is this? Why is this happening? But, but he loved it. I mean, he was like an instant Manzoukas fan as we all are, but, um, it was very different for, from what we were doing on that show. Um, but I was always, he's, you know, he's not only a comedic genius, he's a really good actor. So it was really, it just was a, an absolute delight to do those scenes with him. Janet, who's that man? This is my new rebound boyfriend, Derek. I made him. <laughs> Hi, I'm Derek. You must be Mike. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. You must be Michael. Janet's made a lot of talk talk into my ear holes about you. Michael, 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 Clyco, Clyco, Clyco. Janet, you can't make a person. I know, but I did though. Eleanor said that to forget about Jason, oh. I should create oh. a rebound guy. Derek. So I made one. Hi. Derek. Oh, I'm her boyfriend and she made me. He's so nice. <laughs> Whoa, look at this glass. Oh my God. I'm in there too. What's going on right now? So then at the same time that Good Place is happening, Barry comes along, which I feel like usually you aren't allowed to be in two shows at once somehow. So how did you pull that off? Oh, I pulled it off. All right. Okay. This is wild. I got no shows for my whole life. <laughs> and then, you and got then I got two shows like in the same, I want to say week, but maybe it was month. But I mean, I was because pilot season, like you audition for things and then again, and then again, I was auditioning for both of those at the same time. So they kind of just both happened at the same time. It was not like, oh, well, she can't audition for Barry because she's already got the good place. It was like, I had already auditioned for Barry by the time I was getting the good place. Because I remember calling my mom and dad to tell them that I got the good place. And I was like, I got the show. And they were like, the HBO one with Bill? And I was like, oh, uh, no, 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 I didn't get that. And then like, you know, the next week I got it. So so um, that was truly like God's sweet kiss God French kissed me with that one and like, it shouldn't have worked out, but I also had the, like the lucky thing of Bill Hader and Alec Berg were buds with Mike Schur and Morgan Sackett. So it was truly just like, are you fine with this? Are you fine with this? Okay, cool. We'll make it work. Okay, great. It was like, couldn't have been luckier. And I think I just was like, I promise I'll be a good little soldier. I'll know my lines. I won't be late. And, and it would be like, you know, some days, what season was this? This is all timeline stuff. So who really cares? But there was one season where they were, up, they were, we were doing them at the same time. So I would go to the good place and like the, the like second AD would give me the call sheet for Barry for the next day. Cause they would talk. It was like, oh, it really? was pretty amazing. It was like <laughs> everybody, great. yeah, everybody just sort of like got on board and, you know, I was trying to, again, just like put my head down and don't give them a reason to, to be mad. And it, and, and it worked out. Well, I love that you're, you're still there on Barry because most of the acting class is gone, but you've stuck around, which is great. Um, and this past season was so, so good. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think just to focus in on something, I think we have to talk about that elevator scene with Sarah Goldberg, Sarah who Goldberg. was robbed by the Emmys, by the way. You know, I want to take a minute because I, I don't, and I shouldn't, I should just let you keep talking. But I, I, I know that the Emmys are, I, not even the Emmys. I know that award shows for art are a goofy thing and everybody that got nominated fully deserves it. It's not about any, like this person's better than that person. I think I like, I was kind of shocked by my own reaction. Basically I, the next, when I like sat with it all day, I was like, how did she not get nominated? Like, I don't understand. And I, when I, I remember like, the evening of 
like we had gone through the whole day of the Emmys, the nominations coming out. And then like, I finally opened up to my husband. I was like, can I just say like, what the hell? And I started sobbing, truly like sobbing. Like, and I was trying to wrap my head around it. Like, is it the character? Like people don't like that. I, I overthought it and, and then left um, Sarah a very long, truly very tearful I started the the voice memo with like, I'm, I'm all cried out. So don't worry, I'm not going to start crying. And then I fully started crying, just telling her how she's just such an impressive actor. And she's, she's just really fantastic. She's like, she's, she's the real deal. So anyway, Emmys, whatever. Love ya, Kiss ya, You're great. But it was a little bit like, what, how could you have done a better job than what she did this season? I know. I did hear some theories that like her character was a little too real for the, for the Emmy voters and like, they didn't like seeing themselves. I, I read that as well. So I don't know, but yeah, but, um, but she's okay. so good, and and yeah, that that scene, um, specifically the scene in the elevator where she's just absolutely screaming in your face. I would love to know what that was like to shoot um, because it's wild. If you you know, I saw like a gif, a gif of it on um, line online, um, and I noticed that in one of the screams, my hair blows back. <laughs> Isn't that insane? She's That's screaming amazing. so intensely that it blows my hair back. You know, I when I read that script, that scene, I was like, okay, like, let's go, man. This is going to be a day. This is going to be like an intense day. And, and not that it wasn't, but like, she was so prepared. I was so ready for it. The crew, Bill, like everybody was just like sensitive and set us up for success. I got to tell you, like we were going to shoot that. They built this little elevator we were going to shoot it from the front. Then we were going to take one of the elevator sides off, shoot it from the side and then switch it and take the other elevator side off, shoot it from the other side. We shot it from the front a couple times. And then Bill was like, that's it. We got it there. You, there's no way like she fucking nailed it. And she did. And, and, and I felt like that. I remember after like, you know, the third time being like, damn dude, how could we, how is she going to keep this up? Like this is, and, and they used, you know, I think it's, I, I guess it's one take, right? It has to be one take. Cause there's no, yeah, it's just, she's just so impressive. And I, you know, like, I'd love to tell you like what my, what was going through my head or whatever in that moment, but it was more just like, don't ruin this for her. Like, like, let, like, don't, don't do anything wrong. Let, let, just let her shine. So you have your own show? Yeah. Hmm. What's it about? I play a single mom. I have a cupcake store with my daughter in Central Park. What's it called? Just Desserts. So you stole my show? No, it's actually a really important story to me. It's not a story. It's a fucking math equation. I'm actually feeling really uncomfortable right now. You have nothing to say about anything. You've never struggled a day in your whole fucking life. You, nobody's ever put a hand around your fucking neck. This was my story. My story. You don't even have a fucking daughter. Neither do you, Sally. Oh, you are nothing without me. You are nothing. Nobody, stupid piece of shit. I brought you into the fold, and this is how you fucking betray me. Who's your carrots for you? You entitled card. Look on your face at the end of that scene is also just incredible. So what was going through your head when you, when it ended? You know, it is like acting is so weird, right? Because you're like faking it, but sometimes when things are like that physical, you're not faking it. Like, I mean, it's it, acting is so weird. And also it's so dorky to talk about it, but it's like when you're, when someone's screaming in your face for 60 seconds, like you're, you're you can't it, like whatever is, <laughs> 
showing on my face is what is happening. Like, you know what I mean? There's, there's only so, so much you can do. Um, so I, again, it was just, can you imagine like she does that scene and then I do some sort of like link to the the camera yeah. or something. So like, I was just, I remember just being like, this is Sarah's do not fuck this up, Dars. Like I call myself Dars, I guess. Um, but so anyway, it was, it, it was, I really, I'm so lucky to work on Barry and it's the caliber of actor on that show is so insane, insane, insane. The best it's the, the people on that show on a, they're just, they're just incredible. It's, it's a, it's, um, quite, I mean, and I mean from like season one, season two, season three, it's such, I'm so lucky to work on that show and, and I've learned so much and, and, um, I just love it. It's like a, you know, it's been, I think like something like six years and we're only in season three. So it's like this nice little thing that comes along every once in a while. And I just feel lucky to get to be a part of it. Yeah. And it must be kind of surreal to, uh, have gone from being Bill Hader's nanny to (laughs) being directed by him and, and being in this incredible show. It is very surreal. Yeah. I, back in New York, I was his nanny his nanny <laughs> yeah. when he was a baby. <laughs> yeah. He was just a little baby. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it shouldn't have worked out as well as it worked out. It really like, it's, it's quite incredible that, um, you know, cause it, it wasn't like I was his nanny a couple times. It was like many, many, many years of working, of, you know, working together or whatever in that way where, um, and then to sort of like move it into actor, co-worker, director, like I'm so appreciative beyond appreciative is like a silly word. I'm so grateful and I just love them. You know, what a, what a, yeah. Well, I, I won't bother asking you about season four cause I'm sure you either don't know or aren't allowed to say anything, but, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where, where that might go. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to smile. Coming up, Darcy tells the romantic story of how Abby Jacobson asked her to co-star in a league of their own. And later, she talks about how being an extra on SNL may have been the worst possible gig for an aspiring comedian. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to my conversations with Darcy's co-stars, Abby Jacobson from Broad City and A League of Their Own, Jason Manzukis from The Good Place, and both Bill Hader and Henry Winkler from Barry, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. 
And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Darcy Carden. So back to A League of Their Own, you know, and this other long-term friendship relationship with, with Abby Jacobson. Um, I know there's a, a fun story about how she asked you to to be in the show. So I'd love to hear that from you. Okay. Yeah. That Abby's been working on the show for so, so, so long for, for like five years. And I remember when she told me about it and I was on the good place and I remember having this like little tinge. Is that the Twinge, tinge, yeah, scotty tinge, tinge yeah? yeah, of like jealousy, of like, oh God, I want to be a part of that so bad. Let it go, Darcy, let it go. Oh, see, I do call myself yeah, Darcy. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> I really do. Um, you know, do, this is like, just, this is not going to be for you. You're spoken for. She's definitely not like, it's not like she's bringing this up in a it, whatever. It just, the, over the years, I, every time she'd bring it up, I'd be like, oh, good luck with that. Like, I really can't wait to watch it. And I do remember having sort of a, a, a thought of like, maybe again, like maybe down the road, season three or four, I could be like one of the girls on the other team or something like that. I just was like, I got to get in there. I, you know, I played baseball as a kid, a, a kid into, into a little lady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? I, I played into high school is what I meant. Um, and yeah, so you had the, you had the stuff. I mean, you knew you could I do had this the stuff doll and I, and I, and I love baseball and I love the movie so much. I, I, anyway, I just was like, wow, I, I knew that it was at one of Abby's favorite movies and I knew that it was in the right hands. And I just was like sad for myself that I wouldn't get to be a part of it. And then good place ended in my mind a year before I thought we would, you know? And, um, and I remember Abby bringing it up to me, like there's, I guess it was a late night phone call actually, which is something that Abby does occasionally. And I always pick up, (laughs) um, it was a late night phone call and she said, you know, there's this role that I've written for you. And I was like, wait, when were you going to clue me in on this? And I think with, you know, and I also had this way, I'm, by the way, I'm over telling the story. I could have told it already by now, but I'm. No, that's great. Okay. Um, I, uh, I also was sort of stressed out coming out of the good place because I was um, not sure what I could follow it up with, you know, there's this thing coming out of the good place where it was a lot of like, what do you got next? What are you doing next? What are the, which is not, you know, first of all, like not something I've, I'm used to as like a struggler. And so there was this weird little fear of like, what the hell, you know, like I really want, I I remember Ted, like we were having coffee on a break one, one, one shooting day. And, um, he was like, the next thing you do has to be so different from Janet like make sure that it's something so different than Janet. And I was like, whatever you say, I will do. I like really was like, well, also it's, it's not like there's a lot of parts that are very similar to Janet. That's true. (laughs) That's totally true. But like, you know, just like a, you couldn't, you see even just like a helpful mom part sort of Janity. Like I just wanted to, I just, I thought that was great advice. And I was like, he has, you know, the world's best career. So go ahead and listen to what he says. Um, so anyway, cutting to, Abby calls me. She says, I'm going to send you the pilot. And then I have this fear of whatever. I have this, like, th- there's this weird thing about like working with friends where I was like, well, what if the pilot's not good? And I read the pilot in one sitting and it was so good that it was just like, oh, well, this is like a no brainer. This is a complete no brainer. I get to work with one of my best friends who I adore. I get to be this, I get to play Greta Gill, who is like, I'm so, I- I- I'm like obsessed with this, this character. I, I cannot 
I'm scared of her. I, I've never played anything like her before. Like I got, it. it just was like, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So all that is to say, um, the next day there was like a little, a, a baseball glove, a mitt on my front stoop with like a, <laughs> like a little handwritten letter from Abby. And, and it was all really romantic and sweet. Yeah. Well, the, the pilot is really great. Um, you know, seeing it, um, in its finished form, um, and I think it, what it does so well is it answers the question of why remake such a perfect movie. Right, right, right. Um, because it is, it, Abby's really turned this into this like diverse, super queer story um, that did not exist in the movie, you know, 30 years ago or whenever that was. Um, 30, so, almost exactly. So good job there. Like 30. Um, so yeah. So was that a big part of it too? I mean, in terms of like, because even for you as a fan of the movie, there must have been some part of you that was like, are we sure that we want to remake this? <laughs> to remake the movie with like Dottie and like Yeah, with the same characters. It yeah. would be like, well, I guess I would just be like, well, what's why are we doing this? Like, what's the point of this? They already did it and they did it perfectly. So to have all new characters and and you know, expand the story and expand the character, like like, you know, because it's really what was going on then is the thing. And and the the movie is perfection, but could only do what it could do in two hours and in 1993 or whatever, like there's only two, there's only, there's only, you know, so much it could do. So the real story is what we get to see in, in the show. It's sometimes you get a feeling where you're like, I can't not be a part of this. Like if this happens and I don't get to be a part of it, I'm, I'm going to regret it or I'm going to, you know, jump off the face of the earth and, <laughs> Um, this was one of those where it was just like, it was too many, too many perfect things, like too many things where I just had to be a part of it. Hi, it's us again. Henry. Hi. <laughs> Henry, okay, I need you to send this immediately. Absolutely. All right, you need to make sure it goes out, all right? Immediately. Don't open it. I I won't open it. Why would I open it? Why did you even bring it? I'm not. Is there someone else? I I don't. This is sealed. So just You're keep bad. keep it that way. Henry's a bad boy. No, I won't be. Don't I, be I don't bad. plan on being bad. Don't be bad. Don't be bad Henry. Please enjoy Henry. your stay. Don't, don't be, be bad. bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you're not only working with your friend, but I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that things get pretty steamy between mm -hmm. the two of you. So was that strange as well to do a do love scenes with your very good friend? It um you know let's see hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> it is like it's not not weird okay it's not like I can be like oh it's nothing but I want to say like ultimately better to do it with a dear friend because right. instead the, of a stranger totally like we already had the you know language or whatever like it 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 wasn't like can I put my hand here? Although we did do that type of stuff, but it was, it wasn't like a, it just was, it was like, we cut through the bullshit or whatever it was. It was, um, the whole, like it, yeah, it's weird, Yeah, <laughs> but that's because like kissing someone with a camera four feet from your face is weird. It's not, it's and anyone who says it's not is truly insane. <laughs> so yeah, but like I do, I'm trying to think of like, well, that first kiss, you know, we were kind of like, okay, well, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Like, here we go. You can kind of tap in like the love I have for Abby. It's, it, you know, you kind of can like change it a little bit when you're acting. It's like, it's easy to, to, she's easy to love. Yeah. Well, uh, congrats on the, on the show. It's really, really wonderful. Um, before we get to the end here, I want to do our segment called the first laugh, which uh, I'm going to ask you a bunch of firsts, uh, in your 
comedy career, um, going all the way back to the first piece of comedy or one of the first that made you laugh really hard as a kid growing up. Okay. Um, okay. Do you like it when people take like a really long time to think about yeah, it? Yeah. As long, the longer the pause on um, audio mediums, the better. Yeah. Okay. The two things that pop in my head and I'll say them both. One is Miss Hannigan and Annie. So Carol Burnett and Annie, I remember thinking was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And then also, um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And like, hearing my uncles and my dad and my mom laugh at it and being like, I also think that's funny. (laughs) Why is this funny? Like, I just remember being like, I'm sure we thought it was funny for different reasons, but I just, yeah, I just, that was sort of like a formative, like we're on the same page. Uh, Do you remember the first time that you knew you were funny, that you had the ability to make other people laugh? You know, there, there, I do have a moment this is kind of a strange one, but I do have a moment where in the first play I was in, I was like in first or second grade. I played Lucy in, this sort of like teacher written version of you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And I was singing a song and I screwed up the lyrics. And I, and when I looked at the piano player and she told me the lyrics, I said something like, I already said that part. And it got a big <laughs> laugh on, on stage, but I wasn't doing it to be funny. So that's like a weird one. Yeah. Where it got did, a it laugh. F- did it feel like you were being laughed at? It didn't. I, maybe it should have, but I, w- I remember just being like, Ooh, I like that. What, what, like, then I think I sort of like hammed it up in the next bit. So that was definitely a moment of like, ooh, like I, I don't, you know, I don't know that I had really been on stage before. So I liked that a lot. And um, so, yeah, I think that was maybe, that was maybe it. Um, and then what about the first, your first time performing comedy on stage in a, in a more sort of semi-professional setting, you know, whether it was UCB or some, you know, maybe the first improv show that you, that you did and, and how did it go? Because there were moments along the way where I'd be in like a play, I'd be like the funny character in a play. But as far as first time, you know, when, okay, when I'm thinking about UCB, you would do like little, um, you'd take a class and then at the end of the class, you know, at the end of the two months or whatever, you would do like a, a, a show. And those ones I sort of blacked out on. I think they went fine. I don't really remember. Everybody was so nervous and, you know, the people in the audience were just like your friends. And But th- there was one show where I think it was called um, Hold Please, Hold Please, lot- The Lottery or something. And, and you would get the students would get chosen to perform in like a, you know, a real show with the real performers. Like it was like Anthony and Tamanick and Joe Wangard and like all these sort of like stars of UCB. And, um, I got chosen and I really was like, I don't think cocky, but I was confident. I was like, I am ready for this. I'm the only girl again, you know, like there's all these <laughs> as, a, as usual, yeah, boy students and boy professionals. And I got to really bring it. And I overbrought it. Mm, you were trying a little too hard, trying way too hard. I like went really blue, really fast. It felt absolutely terrible. It oh. felt, it taught me so much. I truly cried myself to sleep that night. It was, it was a horrible, horrible experience, but taught me so much. And, um, you know, you, I think you kind of have to do stuff like that in order to sort of like find your voice and find what what feels right on stage. We talked a little bit about auditions, but I was wondering if you had any other auditions that come to mind, either that went really well or that it didn't go really well, um, that you can remember, you know, standing out in your in your memory. I love audition stories. <clears throat> I'm, I always love listening to audition stories. I don't really have great ones. I mean, I, I, like you know, the 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 like commercial ones are pretty rough. They they're very like cattle call. And a lot of times you have to, in LA, you have to like drive to Santa Monica or when you're in New York, I mean, you know, in New York, you most likely have like five other jobs. So you're like trying to cover your shift and get down to 
whatever place in whatever part of Manhattan. Um, and they would usually be terrible, terrible, terrible. Like, why do I remember one where I had to like take my shoes off, <laughs> like be barefoot? Why was that part of it? Yeah. They really needed to see your feet for some it reason. Must. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Sounds sketchy. Yeah. I, yeah. Now that we say that, I'm like, yeah, I remember there was sort of like a cleavage one too, where you're just like sort of dissociating like this can't be what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, no. But again, like this doesn't make for good, um, storytelling, but I do feel like I sort of black out. I, my, my rule with auditions is like, the second you walk out, never think about it again. That really, and that's the like advice I would give an, an up and coming actor too, is like, you know, like work hard on the audition and do nail it, but then walk out of the room and never think about it again, because you're not going to get the role. And if by chance you do like, great. <laughs> then, yeah, then thinking, thinking about it didn't help. <laughs> it didn't help. Exactly. So, so I hate to, you know, I hate to not have a great answer for this, but, um, but I do think that I, they're all sort of like in some hidden chest in my, in my, in the back of my mind. I know, I know you were an extra on SNL. Uh, did you ever actually audition for SNL or did you were just did that, did the extra thing? I did the extra thing like right when I got to New York and yeah, that was rough. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to do more. Um, I don't mean the job. I mean, emotionally and, you know, being two feet away from your idols and your, you, what you would want to be your peers and coworkers. And you're just on, you're just in two different planets. And, um, I, uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I don't know. Like that was, that was tough for me. I, cause you, I felt like I couldn't say no to the, the, to be an extra. I could like, even getting that was like, I'm on deal. my way. Yeah. But then I really felt when I was there, like, Oh God, this is not it. This, I can't, you know, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Um, can I like tell you something kind of funny and I don't know if this is name droppy. It doesn't matter. You don't care, right? Yeah. No, no name droppy is great. People and love no name droppy. And no one's listening, right? We're very deep into the podcast yeah, now. So that's true. only, only the, the real hardcore people are still here. A couple years ago, early pandemic, I guess. I hate to say a couple years ago, but that's true. I got a text from the world's greatest, Maya Rudolph. And she said, Hey, when were you going to tell me that we were in an episode <laughs> of SNL together? <laughs> And I was, and which, you know, like I almost had forgotten or like, it's not the same. I'm not the same, you know? And, uh, she said that one of her kids was watching an old episode and she said, wait, is that Spotted Darcy? You? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Um, and so we had like a nice long talk about it. Cause I had to tell her like, I, it was actually really, you know, I did sort of put that away. Like that was, I would, you were at the time you were my hero and Amy was my hero. And these people that I was on the set with were all I wanted in the world to be and to work with. But I, I, you know, it's not like I said, Hey, I, I love you or whatever. I was trying to be a ghost. I was trying to actually be invisible and never, you know? So anyway, it wasn't like when I met Maya in the beginning or got to work with her that I was like, when will I tell her about the time we were on set together? I truly, it was like a different lifetime. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. But I didn't know. I didn't ever audition. You know, when you're working at, when you're, when you're at UCB in New York, that's the thing is you audition for SNL and it's not that hard to do. I mean, meaning like you just send in a tape, like everybody does it. And I just kept waiting for when I was ready, even though I had done a trillion characters, a zillion sketch shows, a million, uh, improv shows. Like I was ready, but I really put too much, um, you know, like in hindsight, I realized like if I had auditioned and not gotten it, that would have been like the end of 
my life or something like that would have, you know, it was, you were protecting yourself by not totally submitting myself, which by the way, I still do to this day. If you want to really get into it, babe. Yeah. Let's well, not. Yeah. Let's get into it now. <laughs> do you have a, uh, anything that comes to mind, a story or memory from your career that makes you laugh now, but was really not funny when it happened? Um, yeah. Yeah. There. Okay. So I was, this was like maybe years ago on Barry. So it must've been season two. I was, um, this is not good. I was drinking out of like a metal water bottle and I like was flipping it just like, like without thinking about it, whatever. I was just flipping it. Sorry, I'm an athlete. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, at one point Bill was like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Cause I guess if I'm being real, I was really throwing it high, flipping it, catching it, and flipping catching it, catching it. Yeah. it. And uh, he was like, that's like, he was impressed. And then a little later that day, we were standing around in a circle with other people. And he was like, do that thing again with this water bottle, flip it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, here I go. And I flipped it and it came down and hit, I don't even want to say who, I definitely don't want to say who, but it hit someone in the, not an old man. Let me put it that way. It was, it was Henry Winkler. It, it was not, it, it was not, <laughs> it, it, it hit a woman in the face and, <laughs> and, split her lip and she sort of like, you know, embarrassedly, embarrassedly, embarrassedly ish, like laughed and ran away and then like had a fat lip for the rest of the day. And it was like, it was really like a, please, dear Lord, let me like press rewind on my life. Like, why did I do that? It was, but now I guess thinking back, it is pretty funny, but at the time I was really like, there was nothing funny about it. I was like, I wanted to absolutely sink into the earth. That story, I feel like that was entirely Bill's fault. I do too. Let's blame him. You know what? He was setting me up for disaster. Um, do, you, do you remember uh, the first time you met one of your comedy heroes that stands out in your memory? Yeah, I remember every single one, truly. I mean, I actually, <laughs> speaking of Maya, I was at, you know, when I was Bill and, and his wife at the time, Maggie Carey, when I was their babysitter, I I would go to all the kids' birthdays every every year. Didn't miss a birthday. Oh, yeah. And I because rem- who knew who you might see there, right? <laughs> no, no. I was like, help okay. me. Get, get real. Um, and I love them. And I love them. They're like my family. They're like, these these children are like, you know, very dear to me. But I would, um, I remember Maya and, was at a, at a birthday party and Bill was like, I'll introduce you. And I refused. I, I was <laughs> like, I cannot. It was, it's funny. Like, you know, thinking I, that is sort of a, ongoing thing in my life is like, there were times when I was a waitress or, you know, like an extra or whatever, where I was like, this isn't the time I, you know, like I cannot this, I have to run away. This can't be when I meet you. Like this can't be it. Finally, I like to ask my guests, um, what's making them laugh. So what's the last piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard? Uh, something you want to shout out that you've seen that you thought was really funny. I think, I mean, the very first thing that popped in my head was John and Kate's, um, so or, would it kill you to laugh? So, so you think you should laugh is what I was about to say. So, so you, you think, think you, should... you can laugh? I, <laughs> you know what is so weird about, I, I told them this, but for some reason I have, <laughs> would it kill you to laugh married to the like Entertainment Tonight theme song in my head all the time. <laughs> do, 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 so do. it's like, would it kill you to laugh? Do, 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 do. I have it in my head all the time. Um <laughs> So yeah, those two geniuses, and I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have watched it, but if you haven't watched- Yeah, get on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was also just remembering that uh, Tim Robinson's, um, I think you should leave, I think you should leave, came out like a year ago last week or whatever. So that 
is still, you know, that's still um, fresh in my mind as one of the funniest things I've ever seen. What are you, what are you, what are you watching that's so fun right now? Anything that's making you laugh? Oof. Is that um, scary to ask? No, no. I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with the bear, which it's, is not was, like super funny, but is this, sometimes very funny. Yeah. I'm with you. I, Cause I was, I was like, God, am I watching like, what's funny? The bear. Yeah. I'm on my second watch right now. So. <laughs> um, yeah. I really, really like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. So much. Tons of good shit right now. But as far as just like hard laughs, I would say, you know, follow John and Kate to the ends of yeah, earth. No, and Kate, that's one of was, the best. How good is Kate Berlant oh my in God. League of Their Own? Yeah. Isn't she incredible? So good. I love her character. It's so, Surely. she's she's so perfect and weird. And yes. Yeah. And so it's like so different yet. So Kate, you know what I mean? She, like you haven't seen her do this, but you recognize that it's her. She's, She's one of my favorite people. I mean, John too, but getting to work with Kate like that was really special. I, I, um, I adore her. I adore her. I feel very, um, like connected to her. Yeah. She's so funny. Um, and so are you and thank you for doing this. This was really, really fun. Um, and yeah, I'm so glad that we got to do it. A pleasure and an honor. Oh, thanks. You want to do it again another time after something else? Yeah. We'll do it next week. Are you free? Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am actually. Thank you again to Darcy Carden. That was so much fun, and I really do hope we get to do it again sometime. A League of Their Own premieres next Friday, August 12th on Amazon Prime Video. The show is really great, and Darcy is so good in it, so I really do hope you check it out. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Even on a budget? Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.